That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If you've been listening for a long time, welcome back. Thank you for supporting the show. I appreciate you. Appreciate you guys all helping to keep me sober along the way and having some fun, bringing some great guests on and having some good talk about recovery, sobriety, all the good things in life. What a blessing it is. Got a great guest for you today. His name's Charlie Lavore from the Way Out Podcast. And uh, Charlie's in recovery from alcoholism and addiction since December 6, 2014. Uh, he's the creator, the host, and the producer of the Way Out Podcast. Uh, and his sobriety and recovery podcast brings audiences sobriety power topics and powerful recovery stories uh, in the hopes to jumpstart your own sobriety, enhance your own recovery, man, and just uh, live, a, live a positive lifestyle. And uh, I'm always about having fun in the process. So we're going to be sure to do some of that today. And we're going to get to Charlie in just a minute. But first, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can follow us on Instagram at thatsoberguypodcast. Uh, join us on locals too. It's kind of like Instagram meets Patreon. You can help support us there. You can also be part of a growing sober community that's safe. It'll help you stay accountable uh, and you get to have a good time connecting and uh, meeting all kinds of new people from all over the place. I'd love to have you join right now. You can download the locals app or you can go to that sober guy podcast.locals.com and both those links are in the show notes for you. In fact, all uh, everything we talk about today, be sure to put all those links in the show notes so it's easy for you to find. All right, Charlie, uh, coming to us from Minnesota, from California to Minnesota, Minnesota to California. It's good to have you on the podcast, my friend. Thank you, sir. How are you? Tremendous, Shane. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, it's good to good to connect with you. Um, you uh, you you have a podcast, the Way Out Podcast, and uh, you've been in uh, in recovery. Uh, what was that? December 6, twenty fourteen. So just uh, not not too long after myself. And uh, uh, man, dude, what a what a journey! I think, man, for all of us, huh? Like, just it's like crazy. Uh, you know, life change and all these things that life kind of throws our way. I know for me, it's a lot easier dealing with it sober versus intoxicated. Hundred <laughs> percent yeah. agree with that. And I gotta tell you, man, I would have no clue that I would be where I am today, six plus years ago, prior to entering recovery. That yeah. is for sure. Yeah, I, I would imagine you didn't have any plans to start a podcast as you were getting sober. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, no, no. Yeah. But, you know, we have these higher power moments. We have these moments of clarity. And yeah. I had one with the Way Out podcast. I was hearing these stories very early in recovery. And for the first time, I was really listening. Yeah. And I had prior attempts at recovery. We can get into that. But... But these stories, for the first time, I'm listening to them and they're listening to them and they're changing me. Mm. Yeah. And I'm thinking these things got to get out of the church basement. Yeah. That's and cool. other people got to hear these stories because they might change other people too. And so that was really a lar- in large measure why I started doing yeah. the podcast. 
Yeah, I love it, man. And that's one of the points, one of the notes I have down here is when we choose to recover out loud. And and, and that's something that we're going to get into. We'll dive a little bit deeper into that here uh, in, in a little bit. Um, first, I, I wanted to kind of kick it off with this question. Um, uh, Charlie, if you share something that you believe about uh, either being sober or getting sober uh, that some people might disagree with. I think some people might not agree with regardless of the substance, the behavior that we may be addicted to, the solution's the same. And I'm not saying that the same solution works for everybody because I've met enough people and interviewed enough people to know that a variety of pathways can bring us meaningful and enduring sobriety. But what I am saying is if you find something that works for your alcoholism or your uh, crack addiction or your heroin addiction, it's likely going to work for your sugar addiction or your coffee addiction. Yeah. We could apply the principles of how we recover broadly across other parts of our lives. And we don't have to compartmentalize it just to, this is my alcoholism recovery program. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. And it's, it kind of goes back to, you know, what a lot of us have learned in, in the rooms and in 12 step is we're, we're trying to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Um, that's actually came up a couple of times this week in different discussions I've had, which is great. And like, for me, that's, that's actually one of the hardest things to do. It's not so much. Um, I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I, you know, struggle with alcohol and drugs and like you even said sugar sugar is a big one for me um but really one of the problems i run into often is just dealing with life on life's terms and trying to get through the day like i'll share this really fast and then and then i'll kick it back to you but guys right before we started i had to get up and there was like two drawers behind me and like they were like out just a little bit and I had to like tuck them in and push them back in because they were driving me crazy. And it's little shit. And I looked back and, and Charlie was kind of laughing and he said, man, that's like the, it's like, I'm the same way, like a type, like everything's in its place. And like those types of little things, like they drive my wife crazy. And they're also like, they can drive us crazy sometimes too, because we're trying to deal with these things. That's, and I know that's kind of a, it's a, it's a small example. Um, but those types of things that can drive us almost, um, almost like mad some days, you know what I'm saying? Like you kind of struggle with some of that stuff too. Like what's your take on that? Totally. And I feel like those things are the things that we continue to, to recognize the longer we're, in recovery and at least yeah. for me personally the longer i'm recovery the longer i am in sobriety the more things i recognize that may be counterproductive today that i didn't realize yesterday a type yeah. you know being too type a to the extent that it actually you know affects relationships with people or yeah. erodes my serenity like <laughs> am i legitimately not sleeping because my blinds are crooked <laughs> because yeah. If that's the case, I got to take a second look at that. Yeah. So, so, t- and so that was the example that you gave after <laughs> right. we laughed about my, you know, analness trying to push the drawers in. You said you bought some blinds and they were kind of crooked. And what happened? Your, your lady was like, what the hell, Charlie? So I was, so I'm like, <laughs> hey, 
I know I could probably just leave it. He's like, but it's going to drive you completely batty. I'm like, right. Yeah. And so, of course, I have to re- do the exchange. And I just and I, and, I, and I can't even look at them right now until yeah. the new blinds come and I get them replaced. <laughs> like like it's like it's a thing that's on my mind way more than it should be, Shane. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Like way more. Yeah. There's other things that maybe should be taking priority. And I'm thinking about those blinds kind of a lot. <laughs> you know, know man it's and so like, so those are those character defects right that we <laughs> yeah totally well I, I love what you said too you said that as we kind of go through recovery through life um down that road we, we start to recognize these things a bit more so um and you you can't really fix what you can't recognize that's like the first part of it right we all know that from recovery so um how like so well why don't why don't I back up a little bit? Let's mm-hmm. let's give um, everyone listening out there a little background about yourself. Um, like where where are you from? I know you're in Minnesota now. Where are you from? Like what you know? What was it like? Kind of you know when you were young a little bit, and then how did that lead into um, addiction, alcohol, that kind of stuff? Totally. totally. I grew up in Minnesota and had a really idyllic childhood up until. I don't know. I was probably nine years old when I we found out that my mom was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, and life changed pretty drastically. Then uh, she had a epic three plus year battle with breast cancer and lost it, mm. um, and so she died when I was eleven years old, and it was a really traumatic experience for me at that time and for us my mom did everything for us yeah and we were in large measure lost without her and i remember at the funeral and at the wake people coming up to me and saying things like you know i know how you feel or I know how hard it must be for you. And I remember thinking at 11 years old, thinking you have no idea. You (laughs) literally, you have no idea. Did your mom die when you were 11? Then you don't know. Right. And that's just that, that thought process I had at 11 years old. And, and they said, I guess God saw fit to take your mom early. And that set up a resentment against God that I held for a very, very, long time now i believe that i had big addicted alcoholic switches and they were just you know bound to get tripped at some point right but the death of my mom at 11 years old definitely provided plenty of fuel Mm. for what i believe would have been addiction and alcoholism regardless and so man i just started the first time i drank at 15 years old i got completely annihilate. I loved the way it made me feel. It unlocked things in me that I was unable to unlock prior to that moment when I added alcohol to my body. Yeah. I could talk to the girls. I could stick up to the guys. Right. And all of the worries and anxieties and depression, all of the darkness went away that I had been experiencing really for four years uh, after my mom died. A lot of darkness and a lot of pain and a lot of really heavy stuff instantly vanished when I added alcohol. Mm. 
And so all I wanted to do was do it again, right? But um, the first time I drank, I got so drunk that I I got alcohol poisoning. They put me at a dog kennel because I was out of control. All I wanted was more, right? Um, And they checked on me sometime later and realized that I had stopped breathing and that my lips were blue. And my best friend, like, somehow was able to revive me. Uh, and then they proceeded to feed me a bottle of syrup of Ipecac, which that I, you know, vomited for like four hours straight. But I don't really remember my budding alcoholic and addict brain only remembered how good I felt. Mm. At 15. Right. That was at 15. 15. Wow. What what the hell? What, what was the stuff they gave you? I don't know if I know what that is. Syrup? Yeah. Like of Ipecac. Yeah, what is it's that? like this old school remedy that makes you that it 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 the whole its whole purpose is to make you vomit. Ah, uh, okay, okay, I got so so like you got something weird in your stomach, you ate something yeah. funky or whatever, yeah, and you take syrup of Ipecac and you vomit, you know, you you just okay. puke your guts out. I and that re, that reminded me of a story of of um of someone someone I know closely and uh, they were young and drank too much at a party and their dad came to pick them up and then on the way home made them pound like a two liter of like orange soda, sun-kissed orange soda, just the same thing to make them puke, to make them get right. over it, you know? Yep. So, okay. Yep. So, so, so you, you throw up, you're sick as a dog, but all, all you can kind of focus on is damn, that felt great. And I felt free and, and probably just good. You know, so what, yeah. what what happened after the after fifteen? How did that go on from Look, there? Look, man, I tried to find uh, every party that was going on. I was there, right? <laughs> Alcohol yeah. wasn't super easy to find at eight, uh, when you're underage. Other yeah. things were, yeah. right? And so you know, quickly found pot, and that became a daily affair for me, pretty much right away, mm. right? And it was available. It was uh, and uh, easy to procure and easy to be able to do so i became a daily pot smoker all throughout high school and alcohol was what i binged on when i had the ability to be able to do it and uh you know i didn't ever really want to control it at that point my whole desire at that point in my life was um to you know uh, get annihilated Mm, not feel not feel drown just pour. yes <laughs> yeah yes i shared 100%. that i shared that in a in a meeting recently about uh you know i have like i said before have an issue with alcohol i really have an issue with not feeling with or with yeah. having to feel you know and the 100%. alcohol was the tool that took took that took that away um as you got older did it progress pretty bad you know, um, so I got a D- DUI pretty early on when I was like 16. My uncle got me off because he was an attorney. I got a, another, I got a DWI when I was 21. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it definitely progressed. And it was one of those things where I started to be able to, as I got out of high school, I started to realize that, you know, there was stuff about my drinking that wasn't going to work probably long term. Like every time I drank hard liquor, I got completely annihilated whether I wanted to or not. And there was now times where I didn't want to, right? But I would anyway. Yeah. And I started recognizing that, right? And so now I need to, now I just can't. And 
probably never heard this before. Why well, I just can't drink hard liquor. <laughs> yeah, no, never. <laughs> right. So that's the problem. Yeah. The hard liquor. Yeah. Right. I could do everything else, but I got to eliminate the hard liquor. Right. So, yeah. yeah, it progressed. I got a DWI. I got a nudge from the judge and I had to go to 12 step meetings and get my card signed. And I waxed poetically <laughs> about steps I didn't work or have any intention on working. It was very similar to my first treatment stint at age 15. That was after that big party. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents made me go to treatment again, wax poetically about steps I'm not going to work. Yeah. And become the recovery ninja. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I remember being at 15 at that treatment facility and it's at 28 days, right? And they're passing the coin, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody's telling me how I'm going to be sober forever. And if they just had a shred of my wisdom, oh, wow. they'd be, you know. And Eileen, the head treatment counselor, usur usurps the circle. And she looks at me. She takes the coin and she says, you're lying to me. You're lying to yourself. You're going to use again and it's probably going to kill you. Wow. And she walked out. Damn. Yeah. And so every time, like, my alcoholism or my addiction became unmanageable. Yeah. She came into my head. <laughs> Eileen. <huh>? Eileen. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Old Irish broad. And she just, she just saw right through all the bullshit. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I got the DWI and I'm sitting in jail, I'm thinking about Eileen. You're going to, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to everyone else you're going to use again and it's probably going to kill you right mm. um and yeah so it progressed i got um i got a gal pregnant and i had to try to figure out how to um keep my alcoholism under wraps and so you know i went through you know, kind of uh, while we were married a period of being mostly dry but finding opportunities to get annihilated when I had the chance, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's when other behaviors became more prevalent for me, right? If wow. I was able to sort of tamp down the alcoholism, which was my first love and what I always wanted, but if I couldn't do that as much as I wanted, then other addictive behaviors would come to the forefront. It was like addiction whack-a-mole, right? <laughs> uh, during that yeah. time, like, oh, porn, oh, yeah. food, oh, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, I'll just be a fat kid, you know, yeah. like, uh, it you know the root of it was um was the same it manifested in different ways mm. yeah it's crazy man yeah it's it's uh it's like the it doesn't matter what it is we can still find a way to uh ex excess you know even like shopping like that's one like buying shit Dude, <laughs> buying yeah. shit we don't need amazon.com yeah <laughs> yeah scrolling aimlessly mm -hmm. <laughs> you know social I just, media i just want to zone out i just want to numb out you know and oh cool man i don't numb out with alcohol but now i <laughs> numb out you know on my phone or whatever so i mean we it's, it's like it's it's just a constant process i guess you know of trying to trying to work on it what so what's uh did you did you have a light bulb type of moment i kind of hate using that that cliche but did you have a moment where you just like you're like man like i'm really messing up right now and i need to get some help or i i want to get some help yeah totally like throughout this process you know i get divorced and then i get married again and i get divorced and then i get married again because mm. sometimes i think women are the answer sometimes i think sex is the answer 
I always want alcohol to be the answer. And yeah. during this time, like I keep running into two two truths. Number one, I can't stay sober for any length of time without a solution. And number two, over any length of time, my alcohol is alcoholism and addiction will become unmanageable. Mm. So this can't stay sober, can't drink, can't continue to use definitely reared its uh, head. I'm on the back end of my third marriage and my wife at the time's like, you drink every day. And I'm like, I know, but it's not that much. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, cool. So she starts counting because I said not that much. And the problem with trying to outsmart somebody who's a already smarter than you and B not drunk is it doesn't work out very well. So she quickly realized like, no, you drink a lot like every day. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I'm like, baby, I can quit anytime I want. She's like, sweet, do it. I'm like, you know, I should have seen that coming. <laughs> yeah. So I quit for 30 days on Marlboro's and resentments, mm. which I don't recommend as a program yeah. of recovery. And after that 30 days, I convinced her like, see, I told you I could do it. And we had my oldest son's birthday coming up plus thanksgiving and sometimes his birthday's on the same day as thanksgiving that year it was yeah and i convinced her it was okay to get booze right but i'll go to the liquor store so i got enough supplies to get an army drunk <laughs> and there's Damn. like three people drinking yeah you know and i knew like i never like to put myself in this box and i never put myself in this box on purpose like that i'm only gonna have so many yeah because i knew myself well enough to know that it was uh likely unachievable but i knew like everything was riding on this and that i just couldn't get drunk okay i couldn't i didn't want to lose it all again man i just didn't but you just wanted to get just enough to bingo get a little buzz going that's it huh. i just wanted to get a buzz on wow and of course i got drunk i almost cut my hand off carving the turkey oh, and my wife at the time afterwards after i made an ass of myself said and she genuinely like meant it she's what is wrong with you and my son looks at her oh. and looks at me and says what do you mean it's just dad he's just drunk again mm. and the veil of like i've got everybody fooled came crashing down at that moment wow. right and she's like you got to go to treatment or else it's over yeah right and so i went to treatment because i didn't want to get divorced and i'm sitting in this treatment counselor's office and she's asked me why i'm here and i and i and i broke down like a baby man in that treatment counselor's office and i was not expecting that mm. and i got honest with that woman and with someone for the first time in my life, like completely honest, like I just, I, I, I was done. I just never wanted to feel like that yeah. ever, ever again, right? And she's like, well, what do you want to get out of this thing? And I said, I want to know why I am the way I am. And she's like, yeah, well, let's say it's because your mom died when you were 11 or because you have big addict and alcoholic switches. She's like, if you find out why you are the way you are, do you think you can ever drink normally again uh, no no i don't do you think you could ever use safely again no 
No, I don't. Good. So we focus on how we get well instead of why you are the way you are. And that was that first big light bulb moment for me. Like, yes, let's do that. Yeah, that's good. And that was the start of my recovery journey. Nice, man. Great, great story too. Like I, I, uh, I feel, you know, the, like how, how, how did that make you feel to hear your son say that? Like that had to be like a, just, I mean, it broke my heart, man. Yeah. I can't imagine, you know, absolutely um, broke my heart. But at the same time, that brutal honesty, which he didn't even know, it sounded like he was just kind of like saying how just, it was. He, yeah, <laughs> he was. He was just saying how he, how he saw it, you know, That's and right. at the same time, it actually, um, is a huge blessing too that, that, you know, that, that he just spoke out loud in that it moment. It was a gift. Yeah, it was a gift for it, sure. It was a gift of honesty, man. Yeah. He was just straight told it how it was. Yeah. I wasn't fooling anybody. Like, do you, uh, I get, dr- I get drunk every night. That's what I did. Do you still struggle with guys? I know a lot of dudes out there do this and, and I myself am, am one of them. As a dude, we feel like we got to have all the answers. We need to know. I need to know this. I need to know that. I need to, and 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 if I don't know, I'm gonna maybe just make some shit up and make it sound like I know what the <laughs> hell I'm talking about, right? Like, um, so and that is, and the reason I ask that is just kind of back to your story. What you said, like, I want to know why I am the way I am, which is nothing wrong with that. Like, I question, like, why are we here? I mean, that's like a common one, right? But do you find it easy to just like cut that shit out and just say, I don't need to have all the answers. I I just need to do the next right thing. (laughs) Yes. I find that easier now than it ever used that I ever used to. Yeah. And I, and that's part of my spiritual journey, right? Like as I embarked on a spiritual journey, that's it became, I realized it became an asset not to have to know everything and then a mm. relief. Mm-hmm. Right. But I definitely, definitely, man, like I had, I've always felt like I had to know everything and have an answer for everything. And I didn't know. I just wing it. Yeah. And make it up. And I still catch myself doing that. Like with my youngest son, he'll ask me a question and I yeah. still catch myself like starting to wing it. And then I'll stop myself like mid sentence. He's <laughs> used to be doing this now. Like, wait, yeah. I don't actually know. Let's ask Google. Yeah, let's right? find out. <laughs> and, like, and we do. We like ask Google together, right? Yeah. So now it's actually funny. The, the other day, we both stopped, didn't know, and both asked Google at the same time. And it almost, I think our Google home almost melted. When, <laughs> you were you know, asking but, it so many but times. That, yeah. But that's a humility thing. And, I'm, and that's yeah. something that I'm cultivating as a part of the, my spiritual yeah. journey. Well, I think it shows to your son that you don't have to have all the answers. Like we can go ask, you know, we can ask, we can find out. Like it just, it doesn't make us any less or weak or anything if we don't know something. But I would say, you know, counter to that, if if it's something that is important and, and, and we need to look into, it can be perceived as maybe a lazy ass if we don't pursue it and maybe try to find out if it's something we need to, but we don't need to, you know, we can we can go look if we need to, man. 100%. It's good. Um. So man, so, so you, you kind of have this awakening. You have, this, you have not kind of. You do. You have a spiritual awakening. What were the first? Because I've been getting a lot of emails lately of people in their first thirty, sixty, ninety days. Yeah. Like, what was that like for you? How'd you kind of roll with that? Any advice for anyone out there in early recovery? Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. I became a sponge 
for all things recovery. So I really tapped into a lot of resources, speaker tapes, 12 step speaker tapes were huge mm. for me. Yeah. Like there's some amazing 12 step speaker talks that really help you relate from yeah. a, what it was like perspective, but also what it, what happened and what we can, what it's like now. The first 30 days, man, I think I repeated the uh, acceptance prayer 50 times a day for the first 30 <laughs> yeah. to 90 days. For real, like cool. life was super lifey. Yeah. Right. Like I was living in, well, I was living in a boiler room for a while of the house that um, uh, that uh, I owned. But, you know, I was on the back. I was in the process of getting divorced and. Um, let's just put it this way. You're supposed to do your, uh, if you work the steps, step nine is in order for a reason. I came home like one day after treatment and like told her all the things that, you know, I did that she didn't know about. Um, and not a great idea, like eight days sober. I ended yeah. up in the furnace room. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> On an air mattress or what? <laughs> On the carpet? <laughs> On a on an air mattress correct <laughs> oh, correct man. it was but you were was, just trying to be honest you were just I trying to <laughs> yeah, the road to hell oh, is paved gosh yeah good intent but there's a reason step nine is in the order that it's in for sure there's yeah. no doubt about that right and yeah. i was but i but on further analysis i was also trying to make myself feel better mm -hmm. right i was trying to unburden myself yeah. and really it was at the expense of her but and then you know i had you know very little money, but I just said that acceptance prayer like over and over. I went to a lot of meetings, a lot of 12-step meetings, and I listened to Joe and Charlie a lot yeah. in the beginning. I read the big book. I got a sponsor, and I started listening to Joe and Charlie. And Joe and Charlie were transformational for me because they really put the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in context, right? Mm, yeah. Like just transformational for me. So if we talk about today, um, you know, what's it like today? What's it like being a, a sober dad? Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I would imagine it's a blessing like it is for me, but can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it is. It, it, it's, um, you know, I, because I was able to go on a spiritual journey as a part of working the 12 steps in order with a sponsor, I live in a different way today than I used to live. And I live according to, you know, different principles today. Yeah. And that manifests itself in all sorts of amazing ways. But, you know, I just ran that experiment early on. I just started praying to a higher power that I had no concept of. I wiped that slate clean, you know, took that resentment, put it aside and just literally like got on my knees in the morning and said, help. And then at night, thank you. Yeah. And that little amount of spirituality to a God that I had no concept of started changing me hmm. and started changing how I interact with the world, with my children, with my coworkers, with the world at large. And because what I was putting out was different, what I was getting back uh, was different too. Yeah, that's good. You know? 
And that was another big, huge light bulb moment. Like this higher power that I have just a tiny, tiny concept of Mm -hmm. is changing me. And changing how I interact with the world and then in turn how the world responds to me. And that includes my kids. And I have a relationship with my kids that's far exceeded what I thought possible. And it ain't perfect, yeah. but it is, it is meaningful, right? And life still gets lifey, right? <laughs> it it does. absolutely does. But it is a worthwhile life today for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, I love uh, you. You kept it simple. We talk about God or higher power, something to you know have some faith in. And I know I can tend to complicate stuff. I think there's a lot of other dudes out there who would agree with me on that too. Like we overthink shit. Probably back to the stuff that we're always trying to fix and figure out. I want to know, but like we don't have to do that when it comes to um, just looking at something higher than us. It's real simple. And you kept it real simple. Help in the, in the beginning of the day, help me get through today. Serenity prayer is a great one for me. I love that totally. one. Um, and then thank you. Some gratitude at the end of the day, or you can start gratitude in the morning. I mean, whatever works for, Absolutely. that's one of my favorites, but I think keeping it simple can really help. We don't have to do. And you said another thing, it ain't perfect. That goes for all things. We don't got to be perfect. It's like the progress, not perfection type of thing. Totally. Um, yeah, it's good stuff, man. I love to hear that. And I love to, um, you know, always as a, a fellow dad too. I mean, that's like one of the most important, most oh, amazing things. And you know, man, the kids, they, they can, you know, drive you a little crazy here and there, but that's all part of it. <laughs> it absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. And, you know, my spiritual program has evolved since then, right? Yeah. You know, I've added meditation, which has been really transformational for me. And, you know, what I, you know, my prayers have evolved, you yeah. know, but it started very simple and very small. And then, you know, the journey sort of took itself, right? Yeah. And being able to hear what other people do and learn about how other people practice their spirituality. And I and I try certain things and certain things work for me and certain things maybe don't. But I but I'm open to learning and evolving. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you're staying open and you're 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 riding the wave per se, I guess maybe would be a good way, but it's not, you don't have it all figured out. We don't need, no. cause I sit back and like, wait until, okay, I got to have this here and that there and that there, and then I'll go do this. It's like, nah, like I'm never going to do it. If I just need to like, well, it was like the podcast. I don't know if you experienced the podcast. If I would have sat back and waited for the perfect time to start the podcast and knew exactly what I was doing, I never would have started it. You know what I mean? I just, I just kind of did it. And I just have been, and I'm still learning. I've been doing it for almost eight years now and I'm, I'm learning something new every day and I'm still screwing things up sometimes. You know what I mean? But it's a part of it. Yeah, I could I could relate that to I could relate to that on an intimate level, man. Like mm-hmm. I just jumped in with my mm-hmm. podcast yeah. and made mistakes. And you yeah. know, if you listen to episode one versus, you know, we just did 250, it's nice. it, it, it's a world of difference. Yeah. Right? It's evolved, it's improved. It's and I'm hoping I'm hoping today it's better than it was, you know, <laughs> right? But like yeah. yeah. 
We're all still, like, I'm so critical. Like, I tried to go back and listen to episode I one. I, I, I Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> I got to turn this off. I, I got to turn it off. I don't even, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just something something weird. But, yep. um, yeah, man. So what, one of the things you said was if you don't change, your sobriety date will. What does that mean to you? That was a sign that was in a home group I went to very early on in a gentleman by the name of gene who's now passed on said it every week Mm. every week he would finish his share with remember if you don't change your sobriety date will Mm. wow and it really was impactful for me it meant that i had to take ownership of my recovery and that i couldn't just sit there and and wait for some sort of like miracle to occur without any effort upon my end. I have to actively change in order for, in order to maintain recovery. Yeah, that's good. I love those, uh, those quick ones from the old school dudes who've been, you know, in the program and around for a long time because they stick, you know, they stick. Yep. And that's the first time I've heard that one. So thanks for sharing it. I think it's a you great bet. one. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we don't forget. We don't forget stuff like that. You know, when it's it's it. permanently etched in my brain. And I still think about that. Like, you know, when I got sober, I had to change my people, places and things. And yeah, right. Yep. You know, what do they say? The only thing you have to change is everything is everything. That's it. <laughs> yep. Um, what about speaking out you said one of the reasons you started the podcast and we'll kind of talk about the podcast a little bit more here in just a second but um you know you chose to speak up you felt like you had a story to share and you felt like um how can i help other people by sharing my own story and then hearing other people's stories too so when we're allowing uh you know some of our stories to reach the people um it's inspiring and it helps inspire them to make those changes too is that kind of the basis of the podcast and the basis of you being open and out loud about your recovery it is as i shared earlier at previous attempts at recovery it was all about me waxing poetic about steps i didn't work Hmm. right and for the first time this time i was actually closing my mouth hole (laughs) yeah and truly listening and hearing other people's stories And I realized these people thought like I thought, felt like I felt, did what I did, and they got better. Mm. And it gave me hope that I could too, if I maybe tried what they did, right? Yeah. And then I had this light bulb moment like, other people need to hear these stories. They're freaking amazing. Like I've heard these stories at previous attempts at recovery, but like I wasn't listening, but I was hearing them for the first time. And I'm like, Whoa, man, like these are powerful. Yeah. Like they got to get out of this church basement. And so podcast, I was like, I got to do a podcast. And, um, uh, and so it was a bit of an amend that way. Like sure. I'm going to share your story. You yeah, know? and allow this allow these people to recover out loud, which I really believe. You know, Brene Brown says that your story 
could be somebody else's survival guide. Totally. And I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um and dude, good good stuff, man. Good stuff. I uh I like the the whole podcast thing is I think I underestimate sometimes how much it's helped me to stay sober too, just because it's it's um it's held up some accountability, I think. And and plus I really love doing it. They say like, you know, I think it was uh my buddy Ed Lattimore. He was on the podcast just a couple of weeks back. He made a post today I saw and it said and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly. It was something about burnout. A lot of people talking about burnout, burnout this. Yeah. And, I burn, and I get it. Like, it happens. But he also made the point that when you really love what you do and 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 it's it's of service and you're actually you're, you're getting something out of it in, in that feeling of, um, you know, whatever it is, gratitude, or, or you just really love to do it, like, there's probably going to be less of a chance that you're going to experience that burnout. And because you love doing it so much, you know, and in turn, like that for me with the podcast, it's really helped to stay, to stay sober, number one, and then ha- be able to share like really great conversations and stories like this, man. So it's pretty totally. freaking awesome, man. Do you think though that the podcast, I guess here's, here's the question for you. Do you think the podcast has helped you stay accountable and stay sober as well in the process? Without question. Yeah. Without question. Like you said, it's this weekly investment that I make both in my own recovery, but also to the recovery community at large. Yeah. And that duality that exists because I put the time, effort and attention into this podcast really has been transformational for me. Number one, I've learned so much from all the people that have been on the podcast. Yeah. Right. Uh, Like just so much. I've met so many cool people. Yeah. Number two, just developing the podcast. It's been an effort of continual improvement like we've talked about. So Mm -hmm. it's really cool to have something that I really enjoy doing that allows me to be able to focus my creative. Yeah. And, um, you know, mental juices on yeah, to continue to improve. And I always have like these light bulb moments, like I'm going to do this. Why didn't I think about that? Like <laughs> earlier, and I'm going to do this. And yeah. whether it's with the website or the, or the uh, intro or whatever, there's always something I'm tweaking yeah. and working yeah. on. So I, I enjoy that. Yeah. Right. That process. And then it's absolutely become an integral part of my own recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I want to add to that because there was kind of two reasons I asked that. Obviously, I want to hear your take on it. And I, I uh, can 100% relate to that. I also want to have those listening, like play that back again, if you if you need to, if you want to, because I truly believe in different programs. And we've kind of talked about that. We um, Some things that work for some people might not work for others and vice versa. So the important thing is, is we're staying sober. We're trying to be better human beings, better men. Um, But if we find something that we're passionate about, that we really love to do, it doesn't have to, I'm not saying go start a podcast or if you want to, maybe hell, go start a podcast, like whatever, but find something that you're passionate about. One of the, one of the tools that I've found to be useful is to look back to what I did as a kid, what I really love to do as a kid, because when we have that childlike uh, manner and that childlike dream, 
man, if we can, and a lot of us as dudes, we forget that shit. When we start getting old and get responsibilities and marriage and kids and the whole life thing, we go, oh man, well, I can't do that anymore. I'm a grown man. And, but it's like, nah, if we find something that we really want to do, then go for it, like go for it and use it as, as, as part of that fuel to stay sober. So I hope that makes sense to somebody listening. I feel like somebody needs to hear that out there. Whatever it is that you're just like, man, I've always wanted to do that, man, go do it. Like just dive in. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just roll with it. You know, you feel the same. Yeah. I know there's someone out there who needs to hear that, man. Absolutely. Recovery gives us the opportunity to rediscover the things that we're passionate about Mm -hmm. and turn that into some purpose. Yeah. And that's, the magic that I've been able to capture with my podcast. And I think you might agree. Like, like I've always wanted to do radio like that. I went to school for radio before things went super sideways. Right. Um, And I let other things take priority alcohol, uh, you know, and, and everything else took priority over that. And then getting sober, I had this light bulb moment and having an opportunity to really engage in something that I really, really enjoy. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Good, good stuff. Good, good stuff. Um, so let's, uh, let's hit on this before we wrap up today. Um, there was one more thing that, uh, that we wanted to, to hit on. And I love this. Uh, you said my higher power doesn't change the world of others. Uh, when I'm connected, my higher power changes me, which in turn changes everything. So give us a little bit of that, Charlie. Absolutely. <laughs> when I'm connected and you know, I, I ran that experiment early on, wiped the slate clean, started praying to a God that I didn't understand very, very simply in the beginning. And that higher power started changing me. And the miracle of it was me having an understanding of that higher power was not a requirement of being affected by that power. And I was being changed from the inside out by this higher power that I had very, very, very little concept of. Yeah. And then because what I was putting out into the world and how I was treating people and how I was interacting with the world had fundamentally changed. What got reflected back was radically different. Right. Mm. And that's how I know I'm connected. Yeah. And that's so also, that's how I know I'm not connected. Right. <laughs> when, yeah. when I start getting restless, irritable and discontent. Right. Yeah. And like the drivers on the road are the problem. And my boss is the problem. And my girlfriend is the problem. And my kids are the problem. And my dog's the problem. Right. Mm. I know that that's a function of me being disconnected from my higher power. Mm. It's good. And I need to reconnect and I need to reinvigorate my connection with my higher power. And the rest of it takes care of itself. Yeah. I love that. Love that. That's good stuff right there, man. Um, I think that's the, that's the the best part. I know when I'm not connected because I I know, yeah, like those days when, um, when I start the day off gratitude, 
you know, go on my walk with my dog. Like just, I set myself up. And then there's days also when I get halfway through the day, I'm like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you, Raymer? Like you're just being, you're just kind of an asshole right now. Like your attitude sucks. Like it's like, oh yeah, I'm kind of disconnected, you know? So I got to run a, run a check, you know? Um, yeah, good little reminder for me today. I'll tell you that much, man. I had to fix the drawers earlier, even to, you know, there you go. Let me fix these <laughs> fucking drawers. It was man. messing with your cheat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, good stuff, man. Um, la- last thing, 30 seconds. If there's someone struggling out there today, man, what advice do you have for him, Charlie? Reach out, connect, ask for help. Yeah. Be honest about where you're at. It's a hard thing to do, but be honest about what you're struggling with reach out and ask for help and watch the support come in and watch people rally around you and tap into that community of support. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of support in recovery, both in the virtual and in the physical world. Right. Just ask for help because you'll get it. Charlie Lavore, the way out podcast. Thanks again for coming on the podcast, man. Where can uh, folks best reach out to you? Where can they connect? Where's the best place to find the podcast? Uh, they can go to wayoutcast.com, uh, which is W A Y O U T cast C A S T.com. And that'll hook you up to everything. Awesome. We'll put all the links in the show notes today. Charlie, it's been great to have you on. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening today. Hope something spoke to you. Share the podcast with a friend. You can check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Connect with us on Instagram at thatsoberguypodcast. Download the Locals app. Join the Sober Guy community. Peace, love, and respect. Love you guys. Keep your blood clean. 